What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I do a podcast about collecting sports cards, and I am really fired up to be here. So I got a call while I was in the shower from my wife. I was getting back from a run. She took my daughter to get a donut. She said, we're going to the park. So if you want to do your show or want to record it now, you got a little bit of time. So I dried off. I threw on my Colts jersey because I'm recording this on Sunday before the games even start. And I ran down to the Stacking Slabs official studio in the Stacking Slabs HQ. I hit record. And here we are today. I'm fired up because we've got an unofficial sponsor that is just so awesome. One of my favorite brands. I want to shout out Ben and Jerry's ice cream. If you're going to the grocery store and you go into that freezer aisle and you're getting chilly and you're looking for a treat, don't go with any of the other stuff, okay? It doesn't matter. It doesn't taste as good. What you're going to want is Ben and Jerry's. And most specifically, are you Jimmy Fallon, Mark? The Tonight Dough, that will make your knees weak. I'm a big fan of Ben and Jerry's because they stand for something, just like we stand for something here on the Stacking Slabs podcast. They are fighting the good fight. They've got a lot of values, a lot of principles, and they're all about causes. And we're about a cause here on the Stacking Slabs podcast, and that's to be the voice of the collector. We're here. We're standing with you. If you're listening on the other side, get yourself a pint. Get yourself uh, something that is going to make you happy. And to me, that is the Tonight Dough. I've got a pint of it in the freezer. You know what? I'm going to chug my coffee after this episode and I'm going to grab a scoop because we are gluttons on NFL Sunday. We love to do the things we do. You know what? It's all about cheering for your squad. It's all about going to the stadium, being fired up, and hopefully you are fired up as you're listening to this. I'm going to say this. It's really nice to have NFL. It's really nice to have college football back. The air is getting cool here in the Midwest. Life just feels more complete. I had the whole slate of college football on. If you're a college football fan or if you're not, if you're just an NFL guy, I don't know. I think this is one of the most fun years to watch college football, mostly because the quarterback class or the quarterback performers right now are it's maybe the highest it's ever been. You've got Williams, May, Pennix, Sanders, McCarthy, Pratt, Travis, Nix, Ewers, and I got to throw my man Sam Hartman in the mix. But it's just such a fun time to be a college football fan, and I just love the transition from watching football all day Saturday to watching football all day Sunday. For me, it is life. Life is moving really fast. I've got baby number two coming any moment. My life is flashing before my very eyes. My daughter, she was born damn near the due date for baby number two. And I just remember it. it we were at home. It was cold outside and football was on. So I am getting geared up for the new addition to the house. We're really excited. I know my wife is ready for it to happen. I want to shout out to all you collector moms and dads out there, keeping the hobby running, uh, keeping everybody sane. Appreciate all of you, especially you taking some time out of your busy day, chasing your kids around, doing your 
running around doing your jobs and carving out that sliver of time for the Stacking Slabs podcast. I got a lot to talk about on this episode. I am just amped. Let me take a sip of my coffee. All right, so I was I watched a couple movies this weekend. Two really good movies. Let's see here. You know, this is, you know, when you've got a wife that's getting ready to have a baby, you don't really go out. You don't really get crazy. You sit around and watch movies. So we watched, let's see here. We watched a Blackberry movie on Saturday. It was solid. Um, would recommend if you're a black former Blackberry user or if you're just interested in a movie about business. Very good. And we also watched one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. It was a Judy Bloom book, actually. Uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Just great, relatable movie, I think. Great family movie. Uh, it's PG-13, but I said it to my parents and everything. I was like, you got to check this movie out. So we were watching that movie on Friday night, and I got a bunch of texts. And for my wrestling chats, and the texts were just, I, I just saw, it was a, The Rock. The Rock was there. And I had some an instinct by seeing The Rock getting interviewed by McAfee, and they were there for college game day in Denver that The Rock might show up, and The Rock did show up on SmackDown. SmackDown, if you were a in Denver and you saw SmackDown, you got to see Cena, you got to see The Rock, you got to see Pat McAfee. I mean, you could not ask for a better ticket. But that ovation, The Rock has been away for so long. That ovation, that pop that The Rock got when his music hit and he came out was, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. There... Uh, there's not a lot of reactions and ovations like that. And just to catch your entire audience off guard, we have been pining for The Rock's return to the ring. The Rock and Roman Reigns is what we want. Maybe we're going to get it at WrestleMania 40. Maybe this was a little teaser for it. Um, I'm very interested to see how it all shakes out. But you know what? This is why wrestling is so fun. And I think wrestling cards are so fun is because you have legends that get infused with current and modern day uh, action and that also translates to the cards as well. You know, I get asked a lot about just like playing day and wrestling, and it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't. Like wrestling is about characters, and the characters live forever. And I would say just from it's like this mix of uh, sports and TCG in a way where their characters and the characters transcend. You know those moments in time, and I think. You know, if you're a wrestling fan, it's easy to get really excited like I am talking about him right right now. But so I like wrestling. So I'm very excited to just see where wrestling cards is a year, two years, three years, four years from now. I see and feel the steady momentum of wrestling every day. I see more conversations, more people coming in. I am personally spending more and more money in that area because it makes me feel so happy. And isn't that what we're supposed to do when we collect sports cards? Aren't we supposed to build sets by players or performers that make us feel something? And so I have been so caught up ever since I've been back in the hobby. I've been collecting wrestling cards, but I've been I've been so caught up because I think Panini is delivering really good products right now, and I am a Roman Reigns collector, so I'm constantly chasing. I have been obsessed with the Galactic Parallel from Revolution. As a matter of fact, got a Sami Zayn in, got a Undertaker in from Australia this week, and so I'm. it's hook, line, and sinker for me. I love it. 
And I just wanted to call that out from the top. Also, I just want to say like one thing we should always do is make sure you maintain relationships in the hobby and use those relationships to get cards you want. I hate it that so much of the hobby is built off of the transaction. And if you look at any business that is successful or any individual restaurant entity, those places are successful because people keep coming back for more. And I think the more we can think about the buying and selling and trading of sports cards from a long-term perspective, the healthier our hobby is going to be. And I think about this because I think about just my interactions with Andrew Luck Collector on Instagram and me continuing to nurture and build that relationship and me thinking about what I want to do with my Andrew Luck collection and me continuing to go back to him when I want to go deep down another lane and ask, you know, are these cards available? What can we work out a deal? And it's been so much fun. It has been so much fun. And I think one-to-one deals are always really good and we should strive for more to one-to-one deals. And if there are always better options than what is presented to you from a buying perspective than what you see on the Instagram reel. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but we really need to, as collectors in the hobby, if you want to create the best experience for yourself, you're going to have to find people. And I'm going to talk about that a little more at the end of this episode. I'm really passionate about this. I'm really passionate about the fact that we should not let the hobby come to us. And when we need to sell cards, just go give our cards to somebody because they're the biggest or they've got the most followers. That's silly. What we should be doing is we should be building relationships with individuals that if we need to get rid of a card, we've got a place to turn turn to. If we need to buy a card, we've got a place to turn to. And it's not jumping through a bunch of layers to go talk to someone. It is one-to-one and it is direct. More on that towards the end of the episode. I was an underbidder in an auction this week. And how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel when you see a card that is sold and you are in second place? Does it make you feel good? It doesn't make me feel good. And I think there was a conversation, I want to point to an episode not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, I lose track of time. It could have been two, three, maybe a month ago. I was on Wax Museum's podcast with Kyle and we had this conversation about eBay and spending habits and how we operate. And it was really good because it allowed me to like take a step back and think about how I operate on a platform like eBay where I spend way too much time like most of you all. I think it's always good to take a step back the night that you lose a auction or the underbidder in an auction so you're not caught up buying something to help fill a void. And I've done it. You've done it. We've all done this. And sometimes it works out great. Other times it doesn't work out great, right? We get the card and we're just looking for that dopamine hit. And then we end up selling the card, you know, weeks later, months later. I think the cards we lose and the cards that we come second place in, one thing that I've learned and just my experience in talking with other collectors is that if those cards are sold in auction format, and they go for a significant price, there's a strong likelihood that that is what's going to bring those that card out of the woodwork and it's going to be sold again. 
And so I think one thing we don't like to be in this hobby is we do not like to be patient, but sometimes your secret weapon can be patience. I think there is a correlation too with the aggressiveness of the mega bid that we laid down and and it, that should indicate to us how much that we actually want that card. And there are tiers to this and we should recognize those tiers. If the card is in tier one territory for you, you are, and maybe I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for myself, I'm going to lay down a fat bid. And I'm gonna lay down that fat bid because I don't wanna lose it and I don't want anyone else to get it. But when I do lose an auction, and like I did in this card that I'm not gonna mention because I might be after it still, um, when I do lose this card, I reflect on the process and realize, you know what, this might not be a tier one card for you because you weren't willing to be as aggressive as possible to get it. And so I think these are just reflections we need to have. We're always putting bids down. We're always pursuing cards. And we're always looking for direction when we win and when we lose. So one of the things that I just want to be thinking about more and more and would love feedback from you on how you think about this is when we lose an auction, what do we do? What, what should we react? Think cards on your watch list that aren't tier one. There are cards on your watch list that aren't tier one, but we keep looking at, okay? So this is like, you. there's a reason why cards are on our watch list, okay? So they follow a lot of qualities that fit within the parameters of the collection that we're going to build. But, you know, maybe they're not up for auction. Maybe they're buy it now and maybe they don't have a make an offer. And maybe we're not comfortable paying the prices that the sellers that they want. And so maybe sometimes there is make an offer. I think it's important to watch these cards, keep them in your watch list and pay attention every week maybe a couple times a week, scan and evaluate, clean up that watch list. Maybe it's a good time to make an offer. Maybe it's a good time to wait for the offer. Maybe it's a good time to counter the offer. I think creating dialogue with sellers that don't have to be anonymous on eBay is a really good thing. I was able to buy a card this week and I'll call it out. I don't have it in hand yet, but it's going to come my way. There was a card that I've been looking at for so long. It was on my watch list and I just kept looking at this. And part of this was inspired from uh, the purchase that I made at the National with RBI crew. And that was the triple autograph out of Immaculate Roman Reigns, J Jimmy and Jay Uso. It was the bloodline card that allowed me to have that piece to help signify the bloodline storyline within my Roman Reigns collection. And that piece has been a gateway to open my eyes up on Immaculate. Now, Immaculate for me in WWE and just Immaculate in general, I had never really collected many, many cards. One, because not a big autograph guy. Two, not a big patch guy. Well, what are premium cards in Immaculate? What do they have? They have autos and they have patches. I'm not opposed to either. I have plenty in my collection, but it's just not my primary. So I had stayed away from Immaculate. Well, when I got the triple autograph card, I just keep looking at the card. It's one of those cards I pull out of my case all the time and look at. And just the detail, the quality, the sh shiny holofoil that's used. I'm like, damn, this is a good-ass product. So that has made me dig in deeper and deeper on Immaculate. And now I have a lot of cards on my watch list, cards that I'm looking at. And one of those cards was the uh, Roman Reigns Patch Auto out of 10. And I had it on my watch list and it was 
in a PSA 9 slot. That didn't matter either way, but I just kept looking at that card. Like, man, this card's great. This card would fit in my collection, but I just didn't pull the trigger. Well, then what happened? I got an offer, and that was the catalyst. Like, all right, this seller wants to dance. So I thought about it for about half hour. Do I want this card? And it was like the card at the top of my list where I was like, from a price point perspective, from a where it fits into my collection perspective, it was like one of those ones that I had almost pulled the trigger on so many times. And so when I got the offer, I reflected for a half hour and then I sent a counter. And then moments later, got a counter back with a message. Always hit the message. You always should send the message. I sent the message too. I said, you know, great card. This would look awesome in my Roman Reigns PC. Thanks so much. Like, what about this price? They counter back, meet me in the middle. This is reasonable. This is how we should be talking when we're trying to buy sports cards with another individual. And I accepted offer and I got that card coming my way. But I just wanted all this to say, we should always be thinking about how we spend our time and operate on selling platforms like eBay, how we dig into things like our watch list and how do we take advantage of making sure we get the best deal possible in order to get the cars we want. Always be evaluating that. Hopefully you enjoyed the parallel series. We're going to keep this thing running. I had a great time talking with Chris. Black Finites got a ton of good feedback on this. We're going to just keep this ship sailing. You know, one thing that I just want to call out here, and I know I said it in the episode, but just the fact that Chris has the entire Black Finite run of Christian McCaffrey is just absolute insanity. It it, it really is. And so I think it was cool to get his perspective on just that parallel. Uh, It was interesting talking about dealers and collectors in these cards and we're going to keep the parallel conversation rolling and you know i got to do this right out of the gates um you know we had chris on i haven't had josh on in a while his collection's insane one of the things that i'm having a hard time doing and i think he'd be the perfect guy to talk about this is like okay one thing we got to cover is the gold refractor and so i want to talk to him because no one is probably a better better verse to do this but talk about the gold refractor from a, from a perspective of Topps Chrome, Finest, and I think we're going to throw in um, Bowman Chrome too. But just talking about that parallel from those three products, Josh has just been on these runs with LeBron and collecting you know, the gold runs of these. I think gold refractors in these products are in the Topps products are interesting. Um, I think there's 50 copies as opposed to 10 or one. I think that gives a little bit of flexibility in terms of like how we think about these and collect. I'm going to talk to Josh on that. So we're doing a back-to-back to kick off the series. We're doing the, the crossover spot. It's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy this conversation. There's a lot more on my mind and list that we're going to tackle. I love parallels. Hopefully you do too. All right, let's get into this to close this out. I think one thing that we should think more and more about, and this is maybe like it's my show, so it's my soapbox. So I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna go. Okay, so happy you're here. Happy you're here to listen to this. Um, but I think there's always better options, and when we buy cards, and we're dealing with businesses, but most of the time there's an awareness problem, and I, I have an appreciation for telling stories and building awareness and creating trust. So I love to tell stories. I love to build awareness for things that I believe in, and I value the trust building process. 
part of the reason why I value these three things is because it's what I do for a living. It literally is the reason why I live in the house I do. It's the reason why I'm able to put food on my table at home. It is a reason why I'm able to spend money on sports cards. It's a reason why I'm able to uh, ha- spend discretionary funds on cold season tickets. It's what I do. We all do things and we all focus on things and we all have superpowers. These three things, telling stories, building awareness, and creating trust are what I do for a living. And I use these to point those three things back into the hobby. So I'm always analyzing businesses, interactions, operations in the hobby from those three perspectives. I analyze people, I analyze technology, and I analyze companies in this industry um, with a highly critical lens. The problem with the way that it is currently organized is that you have several companies who spend to keep their name at the top, but they don't necessarily do anything to create better experiences for us as the collector. You want to know why? Because it's easier to gouge us because they know that the better options or solutions out there have an awareness problem. We as collectors need to be bringing better awareness when we have really good experiences with hobby businesses that provide value, provide solutions for us. Here's where I'm tired. I'm really tired of this. I'm tired of seeing fake green PMGs on PWCC and them getting ignored because they're in a Beckett slab and it's somebody else's problem. I'm tired of business owners making quotes to separate themselves from fraud um, when that we're just supposed to forget about. I'm Just because... Someone says something, we're just supposed to forget that they were, they were interacting or close or connected to bad actors. I'm tired of hearing about scam artists taking advantage of others on apps like whatnot with little recourse or repercussions. I'm sick and fucking tired of the way junk content made by influencers who are trying to profit on the backs of new people in the hobby makes this industry look. I'm tired of it. Why don't we talk about hobby shops more? Why don't we talk about those places where people go to get educated, build relationships, and connect with community? Why don't we highlight entrepreneurs who have left their nine-to-five jobs to provide services that this hobby needs? Why don't we do this? I'm a big believer in supporting local. I'm a big believer in it. Buying local keeps more money in your community. Buying local keeps your community unique. It creates jobs. It's more personal. The customer experience and service is better. It encourages innovations and it helps build identity for our community. We've got a vast sea in this hobby. 90% of this shit that goes on in this hobby isn't for us and we don't care about it. There's 10% that's collector driven and focused and we want to support it, but might not know the best way to do it. This is where we as collectors need to be vocal and share where we're spending our money, who we're spending our money with, and why we're having great experience for for those people. We are a local community in this hobby. Collectors are. It's crazy to think about, but we are a local community and we should be supporting other collectors, whether it's one-to-one in deal-making, buying cars from other collectors, buying cars from hobby shops that we love, buying wax direct from hobby shops that we love, using other collectors who left their nine to five jobs to run businesses. We should be supporting these people. This is what makes the hobby run. We shouldn't 
just go spend our money and sell our cards through platforms just because they spend a lot of money on ads and are on the reels right when we open up our Instagram app. We shouldn't default to that. We should default towards spending money with people who are passionate and who are providing really, really good services in this hobby. I believe in that. I really do. I put, I just, I put this out there uh, this weekend and I just said, I'm working on something for next week's show and I need your feedback. There's a lot of great non-major auction house consignment options, passionate small business owners who provide great services for collectors. Who are you enjoying working with? Who are you happy to give your money to? I've talked a lot about I spend my money or I, I use volume accumulation for consignment. Saves me time. Chris is a great dude. His communication is incredible. Super responsive. My cards get listed. My I get paid out. I, I was having a conversation with another collector about this. You can get into the weeds and look out the payouts on all these different options and consignment. It's really, really marginal if you're using someone for the long term. I think like looking at like a few dollars here and there is insignificant when you look at the true value of why you're sending cards to someone else to save you time. What I love about using Chris and volume accumulation is that it saves me time. I don't have to worry about anything. I've sent hundreds of cards to him. I've been paid out thousands of dollars by him. It's organized and it's just great. And I don't have a reason to leave him. I don't, I, I don't because it's really good process. It's a really good business. So I asked you, like you out there, who are you enjoying selling your cards through? And I'm just going to call some of these out because we should be looking at these as options. PC sports cards. That's a call out. Beating a dead horse here, but volume accumulation. I'm just, these are directly from collectors. I'm just going down the list. DC sports, DC sports 87, Virginia, or uh, volume accumulation, of course, volume accumulation, volume accumulation and MC sports cards. Slab Sharks, Volume Accumulation, 90s Auctions, Chris at Volume Accumulation, baby, the people's champ. MC Sports Cards is efficient and great communication. Volume Accumulation, Volume Accumulation for me, probably a lot of him forthcoming, very true. Volume Accumulation, Chris is the best. Clay Cards for PSA subs in the wharf for auctions. That is just a small sliver. And I think it definitely indexes to volume accumulation because it's who I use and I talk about him on this show. But we need to just do this, everybody. Just make sure you find a consignment option that you believe in. Make sure it's a collector. Make sure you're supporting local businesses. Make sure you're supporting people in the hobby who are trying to make this damn thing better. The more we do that, this is how you grow the hot. It's not all the other bullshit that you read about. It's not record sales are going to fall flat a month later. It's not a bunch of breaking. It's not a bunch. It's not. It's not investment advice. It's none of this. It is supporting collectors, supporting collectors who have businesses, supporting your local hobby shop. The more we do that, the more energy and passion is going to be pushed into this hobby. And the longer this thing is going to keep rolling. My name is Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I have this show about collecting sports cards. Hopefully you all have a great week. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Josh Cardboard Chronicles talking about gold refractors this Friday on the Stacking Slabs podcast, your hobby content alternative. <laughs>